Discovery, go at throttle up. Discovery 4 computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions. Transmission coming in from the Starfleet Escape Podcast. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode 104 and is being recorded on January 10th, 2020. Today's topic, short treks. Ask not, the girl who made the stars, Ephraim and Dot, and children of Mars. I'm Eric Dewey. I'm Aaron Gallo. And I'm Eric Berry. This episode is sponsored by Revenge Lover Designs and Illustration. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Happy yes, New Year! Yeah, it's it's been really weird typing that. Where I have to type dates a lot at work, and my fingers have been trained. I, I just automatically, like, blah, 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 blah. I type 2019 on every damn thing. So it's been tough. Yeah, me too. I'm not used to it yet. It's easier, though. Like, 2020 is easier than 2019, like, when you're 10-keying it. But at the same time, it's still... <laughs> it's, huh. When your fingers are trained and you've got that muscle memory of a year going on, it's, it's tough. That's true. So a lot to lots going on in Star Trek right now. We have yes. Picard right around the corner. We oh, have... my God. Discovery, and Lower Decks coming out this year. I completely forgot about Lower Decks. <laughs> I've been so pumped I don't for Picard you. and Discovery <laughs> that I, I like totally forgot about Lower Decks as being a, a thing. So, hey, that's going to be like a, an extra special surprise for me when it comes out and be like, oh yeah, this other Star Trek show. Yeah, I mean, after these, the animated short treks, it's not that I'm disappointed in them. It's just that I don't think they're going to be canon. So I'm not too jazzed about it. I don't know. I, um, I've kind of learned to check my canon privilege at the door a little bit um, <laughs> with some of these with some of these extra things we're getting. I'm just happy to be getting new track. And if it doesn't completely fit in 100% with everything we've seen before, I'm okay with it as long as they're telling me a good story and doing it in a visually spectacular way, which thus far they've been doing. So we'll talk about it a little more when we get into these short tracks, but I I, I think I'm going to be okay with the, with the lower decks depending on, you know, what goes on. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think I might like Lower Decks more because it'll be like a continuous story, possibly. Mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. it may just be like any other animation where it's the same characters and there's just like every episode is a random thing. But for the most part, I enjoyed the animated ones in this short track. So I'm looking forward to, you know, what a consistent writing team for one animated series is because both of the shorts that we got were directed by different people and done by different animation houses. Yeah, they were, they were definitely very different visually. The animation styles mm -hmm. were drastically different. I liked both, but definitely different animation styles. Did you guys watch the behind the scenes for both of those? Those were in the extras uh, for short tracks. 
I'll have to check so that out. I did not. Yeah, it was about four to five minutes for each one. And they talked with like the directors for each of them and some of the people that did the animation. And it gave it a little bit more insight into them. And I appreciated more what they were trying to do. So, but we'll get into that. I'll definitely have to check those out after after we're done recording. They're they're really well done. Like I I got some new insight in into the process, and I always love behind the scenes stuff. So I'm ready for them to do more behind the scenes stuff with these. I was hoping that they would have one up for the children of Mars, but but they didn't. So it might be because well, it's so close to. <laughs> Yeah, there was so, so little happened. I mean, really, it, it told us nothing. I think maybe because it's so close to Picard coming out, they don't want to give away too much too quick. Yeah. So we might get, they might drop that like halfway between now and when Picard comes out. Because that's in what, like a week and a half, two weeks? Two weeks, less than two weeks. We got like 13 days. Maybe maybe this time next week, they'll they'll drop the, the behind the scenes on Children of Mars to, to keep people excited about Picard. Hopefully. So, uh, first for the podcast, we have the news and would you buy it combined into one unified entity. Damn those transporter accidents. (laughs) 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 Cannot change the laws of physics, Captain. Our, our own little two Vix. Um, (laughs) so guys, if you haven't already, would you buy them? buy it actually i fell behind so i think i'm going to take advantage of this sale Mm. so this is a good reminder yeah me too i need to catch up i think the the second comic of the picard tie-in came out and i haven't read that one yet i've only read the first one thus far yeah i think the second one came out like a couple weeks ago and the third one actually releases like the week of the show, like literally the day before. So I've, I've got to get, get those read and I've got to get, I want to, I want to consume as much Trek as I can. So yes, um, I will definitely take advantage of any specials that I can take advantage of to, uh, consume some Trek. Likewise, I only have one of these. So at this price, how can you say no? You'd be and, stupid uh, not to. <laughs> what are we talking about? We're talking about a digital book sale for the month of January until February 2nd. You can purchase the first five of the Star Trek Discovery tie-in ebooks for $1.99 each. Now that's a deal. That is. I yeah, mean, really, yeah, honestly, two bucks for a book, even though it's digital like some people are like oh it's not a physical copy yeah it's not going to be something you can put on your shelf and add to your collection but you can still read it on a variety of devices i use my tablet to read it works great for me Um, it allows me to carry multiple books comic books and videos anywhere i need to go but if i want to read a hard copy of a book sometime i can do that too i've got a library card um you know so it's it's all good you know whether you like physical copies or digital copies you still can't beat two bucks for a book yeah and i i think they they're usually like 15 bucks yeah like desperate hours is 16 bucks and it's like 
two bucks now. That that's yeah. that's eighty eight percent. I wish I waited. Yeah, I know. I, I think I, I think I have the first two that I purchased uh, via Amazon, like right when they came out, and uh, so I'm glad that the rest because I fell behind, and now I'm like, oh, I'm benefiting from my laziness because <laughs> I get to get them on sale. Yay, go me. <laughs> so yeah, you can uh, find these promos uh, in our show notes. I'll make sure to put that on the website. I'm actually, I'm buying these right now. Oh, sugar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm downloading those Amazon Kindle right now. I don't want to forget, that's why. Right, right. I don't blame you. Plus, I want something to read. I need to do more reading this year. That's going to be a thing. No, I, I agree. I uh, I slack considerably in my reading. I've had desperate measures for <laughs> since it came out, and I it's a really caught, good one. Yeah, I, I've only gotten like twenty pages in. Uh, so let's let's jump right in. We have four Woo. short tracks to discuss. The first one, ask not. Uh, when an attack on Starbase 28 leaves a surprise prisoner under Cadet Thera Sidhu's watch, uh, she is faced with making a decision that may threaten her star- standing in Starfleet. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> um, so let's uh, look at our likes here. Okay. <laughs> so Aaron, what did you like about Ask Not? I like that I jumped right into the action. Fast-paced tension, the music score, fantastic. Yes. So much going on. Visuals were great. And I know we've talked about this off the podcast, uh, but very reminiscent of the psych test Wesley Crusher took during the Starfleet entrance exam in the episode Coming of Age. That was actually fresh in my mind when I first watched this because uh, Teresa and I have been doing uh, like rewatch for Picard. Uh, for her, it's her first time in a lot of these. And for me, it's just a straight rewatch. And so when this episode was airing, I'm like, kind of instantly I felt, I'm like, wait, she's a cadet. Why are they treating Pike like this? I bet this is a test. And that's not to discredit the episode. It's not even though it might've been a little predictable, I still like how it all played out a lot. Like this is one of my favorites of this run. Well, I totally agree. Definitely better than the previous two. Oh yeah. I can't even remember. Which is, which is interesting because I was looking at the run times, the first two run times, each of those, like the Q and a, and then uh, the trouble with Edward, uh, those were each like 14 minutes and these range like from eight to nine minutes. Right. And n- so I think more isn't necessarily better. Yeah. Length doesn't determine quality with the short tracks. Um, it's definitely about the experience and how long you feel you're in the story as opposed to how long the actual episode is. Um, I, I completely agree on that point uh, the length of the short tracks does not affect my enjoyment of them in any way totally agree and 
the best line in the short track, I think, is from Pike, and it goes like this. I know that a challenge like this might seem extreme, even inhuman, but war is both of those things. We need to know that you'll honor your commitment to Starfleet, even when those you hold dear are on the line, even when old wounds are triggered and loopholes appear. It really kind of just speaks to the state of the country, too. Indeed. So... I really, I totally got the political message with it, but I mean, it's freaking Anson Mount. Like he could read the telephone book and I listen to it. You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. I mean, we, I, I believe we declared ourselves Anson sexuals on, uh, on right. another show. So, um, I, I think it's yeah. out there. It's, it's in the open. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, oh, they, I want a Pike Enterprise show so bad with, with Anson Mount because holy crap does he do that character so well. Oh, man. You can make like just a bunch of Pike Enterprise short tracks and that would be fine with me. That's like one episode of a Pike show. So when you add it all up. Right, right. <laughs> I'll watch it. I, I don't care. It. I don't care how they serve I, it to me. I want me. to see more Enterprise. Yeah. But more not Enterprise. the engineering side. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well sorry, before I'm we get into ahead. what you sorry, don't man. like, uh, Eric, what, what what did you like about this episode? I, I like the pacing of it. Even though it was short, the pacing of their dialogue it was really frantic because of the situation that they were in. And it was just that escalating tension uh, that I thought really added to the drama of everything. But not too much. So it never felt rushed. Like they were trying to cram dialogue into a space. I've seen movies and TV shows where it feels like they're trying to cram dialogue into a space that it doesn't belong. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, I'm looking at you. Um, This wasn't like that. This had the right pacing. It had the right amount of dialogue for the amount of action that was happening. Yes, there was a lot of dialogue, but there was a lot of action happening as well, and it fit. You never felt like you were like, oh, wait, well, what's going on? So I, I completely agree. The The pacing was fantastic. It was great. And I'm really impressed with one-room setups like this because mm-hmm. when it's two actors in a room – I mean, there's nothing else going on, and it really shows what great actors, both Anson Mount and I'm not sure the actress who played uh, Sadu, but and I had never seen her before in in any other show or anything, and I was like, wow, where did they find her? Because she was really good in this, and to go against like Anson Mount, I mean. He's kind of like, you know, his own acting powerhouse. But no, I just like how they played off of each other. And the way that the story was told really brought that together for me. So I am I was a big fan of the acting, uh, a big fan of the story just in general. And even though I knew the twist, like, I, I like how that twist kind of played out. And it didn't just end there. It was like, well, hey, now you're getting posted on the Enterprise. So I'm glad we got to see a little bit more of that as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, As I've said many times on this show, anytime I get more Pike, 
I'm a happy man. So one of the things I liked about this was more Pike. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely definitely happy to get any 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 Anson mount I can get. I will take it and I will grab it and I will hang on to it. But not only that, but it was fantastic. It was so well done. You know, and like you said, the other actress was amazing as well. So both of the main characters, you know, we see we see a couple other people for very brief, brief moments. But mm-hmm. the primary focus of the episode is just these two. And when it's just two people on screen and that's it, you don't have anybody else to play off of. It can be very difficult. So the fact that it was so well done is definitely a credit to both Anson Mount and uh, the actress who I had her name earlier and I wish I had written it down. I I apologize if you're listening to this show, miss, I am so sorry. Uh, We will give you credit in the notes though, or something because you deserve it. You were fantastic. You were amazing. I also think that this was the most Trekish short of the short treks thus far. Mm-hmm. I think this was the the most fitting to the Star Trek universe. Not necessarily, you know, into like canon stuff. I don't really care about that much, but as far as just feeling like a a Trek type of show, it really it really grabbed me and and felt like that. So I I really felt that up to this point this was the most trekish short trek we've gotten uh, even since the first season so i really enjoyed that and um they spelled simulation correctly which was <laughs> fantastic especially since i did not spell it correctly in the show notes when i put stimulation I instead of simulation i thought that was a meta joke i'm looking at my notes right now going I typed stimulation. And of course I didn't like I didn't, it didn't it didn't flag as a as a spelling violation because it is a real word, but it's not the word I was going for. You're stimulated by Pike. Oh, you damn right I am. Uh, but yeah, the you know, the end simulation graphic that came up, it didn't say right. stimulation or whatever <laughs> the one in Discovery season one did. <laughs> um besides that, uh Pike. Love me some Pike. Oh, man. Indeed. But it can't all Um, be good. So there had to be some things we didn't like about it. Aaron? Right. I mean, there wasn't much that I didn't like about this episode. One thing, it's not necessarily a a dislike, but the explosion that knocked her over could have killed her. She was, like, dazed and confused after that initial explosion. There were some uh, there were some fairly large uh, explosions and things happening and yeah a random piece of something could have gone flying into an eyeball she could have lost an eye you know you're gonna put an eye out something like that yeah I mean for a stimulation this is pretty realistic <laughs> so <laughs> indeed <laughs> um and th- this next piece is something that yeah we've talked about many times needless cgi yeah why does why does the mask (laughs) that pike has over his head why does that have to be a fancy piece of technology why can't it be just (laughs) a piece of fabric and secondly why remove the mask at all if he's a prisoner right well to the second question that drives the story 
it has to be Pike and she has to yeah. know it's Pike no, I, I, in order I get, to, to I drive that. the story. But as far as the first part of your question, honestly, I didn't even think about that until I read your note about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I guess that was a kind <laughs> of unnecessary. But honestly, I didn't think about it until then. That was like the first thing I thought of. Exactly. When I first when I saw it, I was like, why is this happening right now? <laughs> like, this does not have to be happening. And uh, lastly, on my notes, uh, the huge CGI engineering set. I know <sighs> Barry and I had some convo on uh, Twitter. Uh, just do a redress of the Discovery engineering set and make the triangular doopity doos for the warp drive from the original series. And there you go. You don't need to blow your budget on a virtual set. Just use what you have and repurpose it. Especially if mm-hmm. discovery is kind of like the enterprise and whatever, like just and paint the walls differently and make a triangular warp drive thing. I mean, they're doing it already with the shuttle. So, Oh, we'll get into that for Children of Mars. (laughs) I I was about about to say, I'm like, wait a minute, you're telling them to do the exact thing that you're complaining about in in another? No, 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 no. They're they're reusing too many, um, like, graphical elements. Like, even the United Federation of Planets symbol is, like, the, the retro Discovery one. Like, why not just use the next generation version? And then the whole... I mean, that's Children of Mars, but... We'll get into that, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's right there. Uh, How about you guys? (laughs) What what did you not like about this episode? Um, not... I didn't... There wasn't much that I didn't like. Right. Uh, Aside from, you know, the couple CGI things you mentioned, which those were only... And they weren't even gripes. It was just like... Uh, they're doing this crap again. Like, uh-huh. at least they didn't take a journey through the TARDIS <laughs> turbo lift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least this time around. But no, the the gigant, the absolutely gigantic engineering was just ridiculous. I really wish they had at least one or two people from the old days to like rein them in a little bit but like Like, all the old star trek graphics people went to the orville (laughs) (laughs) i don't know like i said we'll we'll have a bigger conversation with that when we get to children of mars because i've got a lot to say about that one okay mr dewey well as for this one i i really enjoyed this so i have very little to complain about my biggest issue was that i was kind of able to guess the end game less than halfway through i was able to I, I figured out that it was a test or a simulation of some sort the second that Pike said it's what they deserve when he was talking about the Tholians. And I was like, no. The Pike we know, the the Pike the Anson Mount Pike that we know yeah. is not out for revenge. He would not play on that revenge aspect at all. Like that wouldn't even be in his vocabulary. So the fact that he said that, I was like, as soon as he said that, I was like, wait a minute, something is up here that this is not Pike. Like he is, mm-hmm. he is specifically trying to get her riled up. Why is that? I'm right. like, I wonder if this is like, she's a cadet put in charge of guarding a mutineering captain. Like, okay, wait a minute. 
So <laughs> don't they have a break? Like as as yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they said right at the very beginning of the episode, they do say that their entrance to the brig, their their access to the brig oh. was blocked because of damage from the attack. That was the setup to to have her hold him. So that I can excuse. But when he started talking about revenge against the Tholians, I was like, wait a minute. Pike wouldn't be talking about revenge like that. That's not him. So what's going on here? And that's when I started to like everything started to click. And I was like, oh, this is like a, a test for her. Like, and especially when he started piling it on, like your husband's on the on the ship that's in danger, isn't he? It's yeah. Like, oh, okay. Okay. I think though that had this aired before season two of Discovery, when we weren't accustomed to oh. Anson Mount's version of Pike. I think we would have been shocked right up to the very end. I think that reveal at the end when he takes the cuffs off would have been much more shocking if we didn't know the character up to that point. Uh, especially, you know, in season two where, where uh, Cornwell specifically points out, like, I sent you away so that if we were destroyed, the best of Starfleet would would have survived like right. that was basically the whole point of the enterprise not being in the klingon war was the fact that they wanted pike to survive the war if nothing else and so for him to be talking about revenge i was like nah this ain't right but had this aired between season one and season two it probably would have gotten me right until the very end because mm-hmm. we we don't know the character at that point you know so that's really my only complaint and it's not a big one i i don't want to make it sound like this is a big deal to me because honestly I still enjoyed it. Um, the only other complaint I had was that I felt it was just, it leaned a little bit too towards the JJ verse in cinematography, cinematography style, you know, with the, mm-hmm. uh, with the lights and the, the way the cameras went sometimes with the action. It's just, it felt a little bit too much like it was going towards the movie side of of the new movies, well, you look at that engineering. as opposed to they, well, you know, yeah, and that too, you know, with the with the CGI for no reasons. Like, do you? We don't even need to see engineering that much. We just need to know that she's in engineering. Like, that's the only point that matters is that she's going to engineering. The fact that they transported into a transporter room that happened to be right next to engineering, evidently, I guess. But you know, okay, but. Other than that, I mean, and those are minor, minor complaints for me, as as we'll get to when we get to the ratings, because, you know, I've uh, pontificated on them quite a bit, but they were minor in comparison to the good things that I found from this episode. I, I agree, and I think we're pretty solid across the board on our rankings, except Mr. Dewey, who likes to go off the rails. Uh, I give it three pips. I also gave it three pips. And I, daring to be different, gave it three and a half pips, which I believe we decided was a lieutenant captain the last time yes. I used that ranking. <laughs> I didn't feel it was, I. it wasn't a full captain for me, but I felt it was better than commander too. So I was like, I needed that half, I needed that half ranking in there to really make it, to really punctuate that I did like it quite a bit Mm -hmm. all right so uh let's move on to the next the girl who made the stars when a lightning storm in space that sounds familiar (laughs) speaking on leaning too heavily into the jj verse 
scares a young Michael Burnham. Her father aims to ease her fears with a mythical story about a brave little girl who faced her own fears. Head on. Now I like the animation style. How about you guys? <laughs> Wait, that I was got. it? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's all I got. Aaron's like, seriously, like, yeah, 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 animation was good. <laughs> I'm done. I, I really like the animation. I mean, that's universally that I think the animation was very well done. It yeah. felt very Pixar. Absolutely. Indeed. Yeah. I also liked that Sonequa Martin Green's husband voiced Mike Burnham, who he also mm-hmm. played in Discovery. Right. So I like the continuity of, of the actors and stuff there. Uh, that was nice. I thought the voice acting was great all the way around. And if you watch the behind the scenes for uh, this short, uh, you see the the very young actress who was doing her lines for this. Super adorable. Like, uh, they got some really good people for this. I thought the, the story, the myth, that was all great. But it really only just gives context to what Michael was talking about in the season. Aside from mm-hmm. the potential alien, there's no real like Star Trek connection here. Right. But it's a nice story. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I agree. Um, my likes, the animation was gorgeous and the voice acting was on point. Wow. I feel like there's going to be a <laughs> lot of dislike here. <laughs> No, I don't have a ton of dislikes about it either, but we'll we'll talk about it. Um, yeah, Aaron, uh, Aaron, tell Mr. us what you did, didn't like about this first. Mister Barry actually touched on on something. Oh, sorry. No, that's quite okay. So, is this story that Michael's dad made up supposed to be a story that's been passed down, or did he just make it up on the spot? I don't think it's an old story, considering it has aliens with spaceships. Uh, that doesn't seem like a mythology that would have been passed down over generations. My interpretation was that it was a it was an old story that he was embellishing upon, as as fathers do. I I I will admit that I, you know, when when telling my daughter bedtime stories when she was younger, would reach back to old stories that I remembered and then fill in the blanks with whatever the heck came off the top of my head at the moment. So that okay. part I I was okay with. But mm-hmm. up to a point. And I, I kind of took that as well because it sounded like an old cultural, like African heritage type of story, mm-hmm. especially because there's a lot of myths and storytelling that is passed down the, the oral tradition. So I think he might have based this story on like an old story he heard as a child, but updated it with you know, an alien with a spaceship just because, right. you know, they're in the 23rd or 23rd yep. century. Yep. So mm-hmm. now I, I, I see your points. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Also what you kind of touched on Mr. Barry, uh, it didn't really feel like a Star Trek story, but that's beside the point. My, my biggest dislike, and I'll pose this as a question to you, why does young Michael Burnham have what appears to be a tardigrade doll? I'll tell you why. Do you yeah. want to know the real reason why? Merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yes. Barry has it dead on. Merchandising. This honestly, that's that's what it comes down to. You know, you know, this is going to show up on Trek.com with you know a tardigrade doll you can buy. If it's not there already, I haven't looked, but yeah, that's that's why she has that because mm. tardigrades when made to be of a medium size <laughs> when they're not microscopic and they're not gigantic killers when they're of a medium size they're cute <laughs> so apparently i'm i'm 100 percent sure that's to sell some tardigrade dolls oh yeah so you guys what what do you dislike about about this um well i mean i i really didn't dislike a lot aside from them being you know on a space station and Mm -hmm. it connecting with the story that michael told it was a fun story but you know it had not a lot to do with trek and maybe they were just trying to do something different and I appreciate what they're trying to do, but for me, it didn't click in this instance. Yeah, and maybe something to appeal to a younger audience. I, sure, I don't know. I, I agree with both what both of you guys said. Of all the short treks thus far, I felt that this was the least connected to the actual Trek universe. It really it could have been a story about any little girl or little kid, whatever, and their dad telling them a story. It it didn't. There was absolutely nothing that 100% connected it to the Trek universe. It, it didn't add anything to the story. It didn't change anything of the story. It didn't subtract anything from the story. It was completely and totally 100% separate from all the mm-hmm. story that we know. And that I, I, I'm not a fan of when you're going to throw the Trek name on it. This would have been a great, you know, short to put in front of a Pixar movie or something like that. You know, it would have been great standalone by itself. Just, hey, here's this little video we made of this guy telling his daughter a story. That would have been fantastic. It was great in that respect. Like I said, the voice acting was fantastic. The animation was gorgeous. But as a Trek episode, even a short Trek even with my expanded scale for these short treks where I have disassociated myself from the traditional canon of the show, I still have to ask myself, like, where does this fit in? Like, how does this, does this affect the story in any way? And I don't think it does. Mm -hmm. That's my biggest complaint about it. And it's a pretty big one when we're talking about Trek is the fact that it doesn't fit in. Like I can make a lot of excuses for a lot of things about how they fit into canon and how they don't, you know, depending on what they are. But this just, you don't even want to because you don't need to. It's just like a separate thing. And it's like, okay, it was good for what it was. But in -hmm. relation to Trek, I've got to take some points away from it for that. So hence my ranking. That's fair. All right. So with our rankings, I ranked it one pip. Not a big fan. (laughs) i i was two and a half pips um i was still entertained by the end of it i mean it didn't completely wow me but i didn't think it was a garbage fire either so two and a half all right and i i came right in between you guys i gave it two pips full lieutenant 
Um, again, like I said, it was a, a great standalone video. I just didn't mm-hmm. feel it was a great standalone trek. So that's why it kind of fell right in the middle for me. There was nothing like egregiously negative about it, but when mm-hmm. I'm grading it on a trek scale, if I if this were a short, just completely separate from the trek universe, just something that was shown to me like, hey, check this out, I probably would have rated it higher on a scale of one to four or one to five or whatever. But as a trek episode, it only gets two pips for me. That's fair. Indeed. Moving on to our next animated short trek, Ephraim and Dot. Ephraim, a humble tardigrade, is flying through the mycelium. The mycelium. <laughs> the mycelium. My- mycelial. Mycelial network. When an unexpected encounter takes her on a bewildering adventure through space. So, I think. We can all agree that it was great to see some classic scenes from yes. TOS Animated. As well as some movie yes. scenes recreated. One thing in particular that I really enjoyed was the scene where Ephraim and Dot were fighting and we hear music very similar to uh, the original series episode, A Mock Time. Or when Kirk fights the Gorn. Or any of that Star Trek battle music. I love that. Anybody in TOS fought another person in TOS. Dun, 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 (laughs) dun, dun, dun. Because they only had the money for one one composer. (laughs) (laughs) But it was good. They they got their money's worth is the point of the story because Mm -hmm. that was a great a great soundtrack and and yes I agree it was fantastic to hear that in this context it was great now it was it was good to see different animation style is different than the original series or the original animated series what will be lower decks and the uh, previous short trek. I actually watched you? these in the opposite order. I watched uh, oh. The Girl Who Made the Stars first and then this one. So it kind of flipped things around for me, I guess. No, I watched this one first and then The Girl Who Made the Stars. That was the other way. Okay. I, I went the other way around. So I really liked the transition. You know, I, I love the animation style of this one. It was more cartoonish, more animated, if you will, style. But, you know, we'll we'll talk about it. So... Aaron, is that everything you you had to like about it? Indeed, Mr. Barry, what well, did, what did you like about this? Well, like Aaron, I loved uh, the music, and maybe one of the reasons why the music was so good because the person who directed this episode was Michael Giacchino, who did all of the music for the new Star Trek Abrams movies. Uh-huh. So I think. That's why the music is so good is because he had a hand in that. I love the kind of like retro style intro to this with the announcer and kind of like, mm-hmm. a, oh, space, but like a that movie reel type of feel to it. Yeah, that's that's always really fun. And when I watch the behind the scenes for this one, and even when I was watching it, you know, they reference their inspiration for this short, which was, you know, the Roadrunner, Tom and Jerry in space. And 
it totally felt like that as I was watching it. There was something about watching this one uh, that really made me feel nostalgic. And it wasn't just because of the older truck scenes. It was like, it was like taking that style of cartoons that we grew up with and bringing mm-hmm. it into the 3d space. And they even talked about that in the behind the scenes, like they wanted to make sure that even though it was 3d, like you got some of the body stretches that you would see all the time in Looney tunes when and you got that, you know, one weird yeah. sound effect when they were like starting to run and they're like moving in one spot before they take off. Like, yeah. And there was a lot of that feeling, which I really enjoyed throughout this, this trek. I loved all of the cameo Easter eggs, like the green giant green space hand space Lincoln. All of that stuff was just awesome. So you can tell that the director and the people who worked on this are like hardcore truckies with this because it was great. And Hey, they got the engine room, right? Like (laughs) the triangle, the warp, triangle thing it's it's great no i i liked it a lot i i'm surprised that you didn't mention this because i thought about this when i watched this and i I didn't put it in my notes because i thought for sure you were going to bring this up but it reminded me a bit of the captain proton episodes of voyager with the with the intro and outro as to how yes. the, the black and white like hey we're throwing back to this old school stuff but it's this futuristic stuff like it reminded me of that whole, whole Captain Proton thing they had going on which were, were some of my favorite episodes of Voyager so I didn't even think about that when when watching this but that's a good point and again that just adds another layer to kind of like the continuity of everything. I I know that there might be a lot of dislikes, but (laughs) one of the things I heard in that new behind the scenes documentary was that this was meant to take place over a time of 30 years. And so it's like they kind of compressed everything and, Especially in the beginning, in the beginning, the announcer even says, because tardigrade eggs take a long time to hatch Mm -hmm. and that's why they need a warm space. So yeah, in the animated sense, it was one continuous thing, but I could have seen this as like, you know, a many decades long trip for Ephraim. So I liked it. I, I don't disagree. What I liked about it, I I loved that it was it was fun. It was just fun. It was, it was a fun, fun episode. Yeah. I loved the animation style, so different from the other one, but yet it wasn't cheap animation. It wasn't Hanna Barbera animation. It was good animation, but a totally different style than what we saw in the other one. So I loved that. I love the TOS throwbacks. I even had to mm-hmm. watch it a few different times to catch all of the different TOS throwbacks. Um, <laughs> More tribbles. Yeah. yeah, you know, right, yeah. Tribbles in there. There was the Tholians. There was the Lincoln. There was the giant hand. I mean, oh, I mean, you know, right off the bat, you get the con stuff right away. Like that's like right forefront there. But at the same time, like 
some of them are just so quick. You're like, wait, what was that? And you go back and look and you're like, oh, yeah. Especially for anybody who hasn't watched TOS in a while. it's It takes a minute to be like, uh, 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 oh, yeah. Because <laughs> right. TOS is one of those ones that I've watched it a couple of times, yeah. But it's not one I go back to over and over and over again like really the rest of the series. I, I've mm-hmm. watched TOS at least three times all the way through, but I've watched Next Gen at least a dozen times, if not more, all the way through. I've watched DS9 at least a dozen times or more all the way through. I've watched Voyager five, six, seven times at least all the way through. I've watched Jeez. Enterprise five or six times all the way through. Uh, TOS is just way lower on my list, honestly, of stuff that I'm going to enjoy rewatching. So the throwbacks, it took me a little bit longer to catch all of them. Um, I thought the score was fantastic, as you mentioned. Um, the throwbacks mm-hmm. to Amok Time and the the original series soundtrack that we 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 know, and those specific sounds that even people who aren't Trek fans, even people who don't even know anything about Trek, they hear that music and they know, oh, this is when Kirk's fighting Spock, isn't it? Like they know, like that scene is so iconic in just the lexicon of pop culture in general right it was even in the cable guy yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) so you know throwing back to that was was fantastic i I really enjoyed that and even though it didn't fit technically into canon the way that it was presented i still felt that for an animated short it really had a trekish story Mm -hmm. The, the overall story was was very Trek, and I liked that. So those were, those were my likes for that. But then, dun, dun, dun. This is going to seem like I didn't like it, but um, I actually really did like this, uh, this short Trek. So my question, I, most of these are questions that I pose. Is the existence of tardigrades known, or were they cover up? covered up with the uh, spore drive because we've never heard of them since discovery i know <laughs> real life uh they just weren't made up yet but it's, it's um kind of weird that we would have like this starfleet uh, what is this called like educational film I, I feel like this is actually set far far in the future and what we're seeing is this like old educational video that they put together for kids about what tardigrades are like mm. like like that's how i like imagined it in my head to figure out okay. like how did like they compress like 30 years of trek into this one journey and well, I, I like was... what but I, I i completely understand like if you're looking at it from a trek point of view I, I completely get your questions. I'm not discounting your 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 questions. When you know they're presenting these shows to us, these short tracks, as part of the Trek universe, so we have to look at them as canon. We have to look at these as this is something that exists in the universe. So how does it fit in with the rest of the universe? So I, I get your question. I completely get it. I'm. 
I guess a little more willing to just kind of let it slide because it's an animated short, but I, I yeah. get it. I get it. Right. I, I get it too. And I, I totally agree with, uh, with Eric on this. Like I, I could suspend my truck disbelief on it. <laughs> right. And right. It, yeah, it was, it was just fun. It was a fun romp. It was, it was fun. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just I know how you yeah. feel too. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, do deflectors not deflect? Uh, because, oh, yeah. <laughs> not tardigrades, evidently. Because um, you know they just rammed right into that meteor or asteroid, whatever it was. Donk. But it did no so, damage I mean, to the ship, so I guess the deflector dish did its job. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, so I mean, if if it was an actual episode of Star Trek, I'd be like, "What the hell is going on?" But it's it's a cartoon. Next up, uh, do repair drones logs not get reviewed? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dot classified uh, Ephraim as an intruder, and when did that set off an alarm somewhere during this twenty or thirty years? I know it's a cartoon. <laughs> but, I'm like, I, I, I like, do, do I tell him? Do you want to tell him? I mean, who wants to tell him? Um, no, no, I get it. Yeah. If you're looking at it, all of your questions really kind of focus on the, you know, looking at it from a, a fully Canon point of view, which I totally get because we're being presented with these as, as, as Canon. So we've got to ask these questions. As fans, we have to ask, where does this fit into the story? If, if they're going to rely on these short treks to build on the story of the main show, which they obviously are, when we, when we talk about Children of Mars, we'll talk about this more, but they obviously are using these short treks to build on the story of the main shows. So there mm-hmm. should be some, some continuity there. So while we are somewhat willing to separate ourselves from that continuity they definitely should have some accountability as well so i'm not questioning your questions at all Mm. (laughs) if that makes any sense i i completely understand where you're coming from with these questions um i was willing to kind of let them slide for the enjoyment of the episode but they're valid they're definitely valid next question (laughs) uh would a repair drone even with the refit of the Enterprise still be in service that long, or would have been replaced with every other inch of the ship? <laughs> every inch except that specific section right where the eggs were, evidently. Oh, yeah, that, that was my next question. <laughs> Did every inch of the Enterprise get upgraded except for the spot where the eggs were laid? <laughs> yes. Um, it's, it's a sturdy warp drive. Come on. Yeah. Scotty's um, been working on that for years, man. You don't mess with Scotty's work. That's true. We we kind of answered these already. It's we have to suspend really uh belief for a little bit. The next uh thing that was pretty um I don't want to say serious, but a, a big continuity error. The hull registry of the Enterprise reads yeah. NCC1701A on the refit. We'll be honest with you, I didn't notice that until you pointed it out, because at the beginning of the episode, it does read just NCC-1701. It doesn't have the right. A until afterwards, 
But that's not when they refit it. That's when they replaced it. <laughs> so, yes. um, yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. A hundred percent that somebody messed up there. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the only time they messed up on the registry because there's a shot as Ephraim is gliding over the enterprise when it's exploding and memory alpha has a good picture of this. There's a, it's actually an error because the registry and the name are like tilted 45 degrees the wrong way on the saucer. Right. Off the and I guess in a tweet, the director was like, yeah, we kind of just like ran out of time and it slipped from our, I don't know. They memory alpha like linked to it. And I was like, yeah. I got to see what this tweet is. Hold on. See what, what they fail to tell us is that the enterprise really was refitted with the spore drive and the, My God. the outer hull rotates. We just, we just missed it. Actually, let me, let me show you guys this picture. Cause this is, th- this is bad. Uh, well, I, I've gonna... seen the picture. I, I looked at the memory alpha. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I mean, it's bad, right? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> See, it, it happened so quickly during my first viewing. I missed it on my first viewing. My second and third time watching, I was like, oh yeah, right there. Um, Anyhow. But yeah, how about how about you guys? I, I'm guessing you guys don't have too much to dislike about it. No, I, I really there wasn't a lot that I didn't dislike. In in fact I'm having trouble coming up with anything that I might have not as liked as much. So I'm just gonna say, you know, aside from a couple of those errors, other than that it really didn't bother me. I just think it was like a really cute, really fun episode. So anything that I thought was off on it was greatly overshadowed by what an, what a great and fun story it was. Yeah, I kind of agree. Basically, my, my biggest dislike was that it doesn't really fit into the canon. Um, if the TOS scenes that we saw are in any indication this little fight between this robot and the tardigrade take place over at least three years or more, as, as uh, Eric pointed out, I guess 30 years or more. So that's a little like iffy, but the fact is they framed it in this little educational video that we were seeing. So it wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. that everything we were seeing was exactly what happened. Like you could, you could explain it away if you needed to. So ultimately it didn't really take away from my enjoyment of the episode and my enjoyment of this episode was very, very high. So, uh, hence my, my ranking on this one. I definitely, uh, enjoyed the hell out of this one. Apparently. <laughs> so yeah, I, I actually raised my rating after my third watch to two pips. God, what was it before? One and a half. Oh, Okay. Uh, I'm at three pips. I I thought it was pretty solid. And I went all the way up to four pips. I gave it the full captain because I really, I enjoyed it. And I watched it. That's how you roll. Like five times. So, and I enjoyed it every single time. So I'm good to go. I really enjoyed it. It was fun. So on to the last short trek, Children of Mars, 12-year-old classmates, Kima, 
and Lil find themselves at odds with each other on the day that will change their lives forever. Dum, dum, dum. So, to start, I'm going to say I really enjoyed this episode. Me too. I, I did as well. It was, uh, we have a rare look at civilian life in the Federation. Uh, to start, we I don't know if we ever seen a uh, a school setting outside of the Enterprise and DS Nine. the The only ones we saw were the schools on the ships, right? But not like an actual school like this. Yeah, yeah not not a civilian school to be sure. Like we saw the school on the Enterprise, and we saw on Deep Space Nine Keiko's school. But that was pretty much it as far as what we saw on screen, I think. It was cool to see. I mean, I, I know Star Trek is like based in Starfleet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's cool to see something outside of that. Uh, computer interfaces. Uh, it was cool to see some new computers having Sorry, those like. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, you said computer. I computer. Did. Am I echo responded <laughs> but those interfaces uh were cool it was cool having um seeing the like little hall i'm guessing like holographic screens like pop out yeah that that was really cool i kind of liked how they popped out like an original series communicator yeah a little bit oh, yeah. I, yeah. I was i was thinking that when they saw it like it was holographic but it was very reminiscent of the flip up style of the so it's kind of like taking the old tech and like, how would you make this new? So yeah, I totally love that. Yeah, that was that worked very well. Uh, the episode pacing, along with the choice of music, uh, worked very well. Uh, that was the first time I heard uh, Peter Gabriel's rendition of Heroes. Yes. Um, I loved it. Oh, it was fantastic. I just don't know what it had to do with this episode. <laughs> uh, that that's true, but I, I thought it because they weren't helped. heroes. That's true. It helped move the story along. I thought. Yeah. Um. Uh. The attack happened on first contact day. I like that little detail. Yeah. I I feel uh, like that might play into the story of Picard. Like there might be a reason why they. Ch- I, I I believe they chose that day, on purpose. So yeah. I mean, what if it's the Borg? The Borg. I mean, Picard saved First Contact Day. Oh, like they're sending a message. Mm. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, I I feel like there's a reason why this happened on that day, and we're gonna find out that in Picard. So it forever tarnishes First Contact Day. That right. would be like if 9/11 happened on the Fourth of July. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there there were reports um, that the that the terrorists chose September 11th because 911 is the right. American code for emergency. So mm-hmm. they, you know, so it wouldn't be surprising that if a, a terrorist organization wanted to make an attack and make an impact, that they would choose a day that had specific. Uh, importance to the entity that they were attacking in this case the federation and first contact day what if these synths are saying 
hey, this is our first contact with you, and we think you suck. So we're going <laughs> to blow up Mars. Yeah. Because F Mars, anyways. Speaking of 9-11, I got flashbacks to watching 9-11 unfold in my high school classroom uh, during this episode. Like, I, I, I was getting emotional watching mm. those scenes. Uh, no, I actually agree with you. I'm... 9-11 happened while I was an adult and working, but that day will always be burned in my memory. I will know exactly where I was, how I spent that day mm-hmm. because of what happened. So I, you know, for you, it was in school. For me, that memory, the, the school memory of something terrible happening was the Challenger disaster. That happened while mm. I was in school, and I remember them like stopping everything to wheel TVs into the classroom to show us what was going mm. on. While my experience was a little different, I definitely agree with you as far as the this episode kind of brought back those those memories because mm-hmm. it, it's very much they did a really good job of conveying the atmosphere when a tragedy happens. So long story short. Yes, I agree. And that's why I think it's so significant in the Star Trek timeline, because the only other time earth has been attacked like this recently in their timeline was when the brain destroyed the San Francisco bridge in the dominion war. Right. And, but this is like, or the Zindi attack, like from Enterprise. Mm. But now this is like, it looked more destructive than any of those two events. And, and it, it felt more real. Even mm-hmm. in just that short space of time, it felt more real than either of those instances on screen. It's also sending a message. If it's meant to send a message, it's also crippling their shipyards that's where they build new ships so it was also a tactical strike and i think it'll be very interesting like i'm i'm so curious about what picard is going to be about Mm -hmm. i know it's there's such a question mark hanging over it right now still i'm like we're like uh, androids romulans borg like Uh, what's happening like (laughs) like where's the focus but uh, still like i look at it like honestly if if this were completely separate a completely separate thing and patrick stewart was not attached to it at all i'd be very questioning right now the Mm -hmm. fact that patrick stewart is not only involved but excited about this it it tells me that there's something there because he doesn't just throw his name on anything these days he, he doesn't. He's got the credibility now that he only attaches himself to things that he actually cares about. And he was always very reluctant after Nemesis to come back as Picard. He would always dodge that question or like just say, look, I think my time's over with this. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, in, in recent interviews, he said because of his experience with Logan and the send-off that they gave to uh, Professor X, that mm. he wanted to come back to give Picard a a better send-off. Than Nemesis. Le- than Nemesis, <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad he's coming back. 
Um, yeah. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Logan, I, d- I don't know if you guys are. Oh, it's it's fantastic. It's amazing. It is absolutely brilliant, and not just from a a, a fan of the original X Men movies when they first came out. I I was still working at a movie theater when the first X-Men came out. So I remember watching that the night before it came out with my theater colleagues at an employee screening and just being blown away at how amazing, like I'd read some of the comics before and I I was pretty much like Patrick Stewart. Like Patrick Stewart looked at an X-Men comic and said, why did they put me in this comic book? (laughs) You know, like Mm. literally like, Professor X, even though it was made long before, even though the the character was invented long before Patrick Stewart was a thing, it, it almost seems like it was written for him. And he just played it so well in the, the first two movies. The third one we won't talk about so much. But the first two movies especially, it was just absolutely brilliant. And to see him come back and not only play that character, but to see the deterioration of that character, to see kind of that, what would happen if a mutant of that power got into old age and developed dementia? And, you know, having lived through uh, a couple of grandparents going through dementia and and end-of-life scenarios... Mm -hmm. He did a brilliant job in portraying what that looks like in, in, in a comic book movie, of all things. I mean, so much better than any serious drama I've ever seen that that had that as an aspect. I, honestly, Logan was a better look at the effects of dementia than any anything I've ever seen portrayed on film before. Um, having seen it firsthand, having having seen it, uh, my own family uh, succumbed to that. It was powerful and uh, entertaining at the same time. Like it's it's kind of twisted. Right. Like to look at it and be like, oh, I really like this movie, but it made me feel feelings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm glad that Patrick Stewart had that experience. And it helped him come back into the Star Trek fold because I think Star Trek in general is better when Patrick Stewart is involved. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, let's let's kind of brighten this up a little bit. Uh, after talking about dementia and 9-11, we have Admiral Picard on newscast, which is pretty cool. I loved it. I love the new uniform that ties into the comics, and it's all coming together. Indeed. And we also have the newscast, which, which suggests, and we've uh, mentioned it already, rogue synths are the ones who attacked Mars. And now I can only presume that these are the soon type androids that we see in the trailer. Yeah, and there's uh, there's some talk online about the synths in quotation marks, I'm doing air quotes that, that nobody, but you guys can see, um, being not only androids, but maybe Borg or former Borg as well. Like there could be this coalition of beings that have some sort of synthetic 
uh, structure to them being this synth army that they're that they're talking about and because we know that you know from the trailers we know that Hugh is somehow involved in this and and seven is mm-hmm. somehow involved in all of this so like how do they play into this as well with with data and before and these uh, what was it f8 was the the something like that yeah the android yeah, that we F8. saw that uh, we thought was kind of uh, a blend between data and Maddox. <laughs> it was like, what? <laughs> we definitely know that there's something going on here. And I think that was a, that was a huge little Easter egg in the midst of this episode. Right. Blink and you'll miss it. Yeah. It's, it, it's on this, it's on the screen like three times, but one of those two times, one of those three times, it's kind of out of focus. Like you have to know that it's there to kind of try to figure out and see it. And then when it is there in focus readable it is only once very briefly, like a couple of seconds. And then once it's like really small, like off to the side of the screen, like, Oh, if you're paying attention, mm-hmm. you'll see it. But it does say that rogue synths attack Mars, 3000 dead, you know, compa- right. you're like, it's like, Whoa. And you're like, synths, what the, the hell? Yeah. I, I kind of, I really dig that slang too or like an artificial life form uh i i dig that it um, it, it kind of throws back to uh like blade runner you know it kind of mm-hmm. it kind of gives that vibe which if you discount the more recent installation of that uh it is really cool uh and finally on my on my likes here uh it says based on star trek the next generation uh, the first time that's ever happened. Uh, it's always Loved based it. on Star Trek, uh, so I, that was that was great, especially since it's my favorite series and uh, many other people out there. So, you guys, what what do you think about, uh, or what do you like about this? Uh, I really dug pretty much everything that that you touched upon. I also thought that. Just overall, the the cinematography was very well done. Uh, I even liked the split screen that they did with both girls like leaving mm-hmm. uh, their their rooms. So I just like the whole structure of this episode and the pacing. And like I said, the story was great. Even though I'll have more things to say that seem to be in a negative light. It's more of a commentary of just a pattern that I'm seeing in the visual effects. Otherwise it got me excited, even more excited than I thought I could be for Picard. And I mean, this is it guys. This is the stuff that we have been wanting to see and that we've talked about on this show for years Mm -hmm. we wanted to see slice of life in the federation we've wanted to see anthology series you know based upon different parts of the star trek universe and we're finally getting that with short treks and you know i might not like all of them or care for some of them or it might be a mixed bag in some cases but just the fact that they're doing this and it's more star trek and i mean i'm i'm happy as a star trek fan like we're right we're in this new age of star trek where it just seems like everything we wished and talked about 
is kind of coming true and it's it's great i i I completely agree so far with both of with what both of you guys have said for me this episode of short treks was first of all it was not at all what i was expecting based on the trailers Mm -hmm. i i I mean i don't know what exactly i was expecting (laughs) but it wasn't this but Mm -hmm. it was absolutely brilliant i love this it added another level of excitement to my already very high anticipation for picard obviously um you guys know i've talked about it (laughs) repeatedly how pumped i am for patrick stewart to be reprising this role and how pumped i am to get new star trek that also includes one of my favorite characters picard so like i'm already like at a 10 when it comes to my excitement level for Picard, this turned that dial to 11. It really did. Um, well, it was, yeah. Like this one goes to 11. <laughs> yeah. I am. I am so pumped. I am so primed. I am so ready for Picard to happen. You're primed for that prime timeline. This is the time for prime. Prime, prime, prime. prime. Yes. Get your Amazon books on prime for <laughs> the, discovery tie-ins or i don't know <laughs> um but go to foureyedradio.com and click on that amazon link before you do it so that we get a little taste um one thing i really liked about this is that not only did the story have a, a good storyline it had a good plot but the storyline itself was very trekish which mm-hmm. is something that we've talked about being missing from some of these short tracks is that they're they're good stories they're fun they're entertaining whatever but they're not really trek quote unquote this was definitely trekish this was all right. about how finding out how our similarities are bigger and deeper than our differences how we can be adversarial because of our slightly our slight differences Mm -hmm. but ultimately we are more alike than than we want to admit on the surface and that is how humanity will progress in the future is by putting aside the petty differences and focusing on the big similarities like that is so freaking trek right there that is so roddenberry that is everything that trek was intended to be from the very beginning is that message that we are more alike than we are different for every difference you can find i can find three similarities for everything that you disagree with i can find five things i agree with you on that is trek that is roddenberry that for me Everything about this episode boiled down to that, and I was like, yes, this is Star Trek. So, uh, for me, that was a huge, huge, powerful message. Um, we, we talked about how it, it hints at what might be going on Picard, you know, the synths. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, the first time I saw it, I was like, seriously, like, <gasps> rogue synths? Like, what? Like, I had to watch it again just to pay attention to the story. Like, because I, like, my mind started going in 50 different directions just thinking about this right. this rogue synth attack. Um, but that that aside, 
even without that, even without knowing anything about Picard, anything about Discovery, anything about anything, the story itself was so beautifully told. I mean, we got virtually no dialogue. I mean, we got, what, the first minute and a half, two minutes, there was some voiceover, and that was Mm -hmm. it. And then we got, like, three lines throughout the rest of the entire episode. The rest of the story is conveyed entirely visually and musically. And it was just done so beautifully. I absolutely loved, as, as you brought up, Aaron, uh, Peter Gabriel's cover of Heroes was perfect for this. And the way they timed it, the way they paced it, the way they put it together into this storyline was just so impactful. It was, it was beautiful. It was just, ah, I, I, I don't know what else to say about it. It was beautiful. That's what it was. I agree. One thing I, I wanted to bring up real quick uh, that I really liked was very fine detail, but they brought back the Federation News Network that mm. we saw in Generations. And so there's a little FNN in the corner. And so I, I love that little point. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, I agree with you there as well. Um, I don't know what uh, Jake Sisko was writing for. That escapes me. No, what would be awesome? I think I might have mentioned this before. Uh, if Jake oh Sisko my God. has a cameo oh. as a reporter interviewing Picard. Picard. That was in the trailer. There was a thing of Picard, like being interviewed or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. They they like showed just oh, his imagine. picture, and they like had a quote. Like they they just had the one word "devastating" in quotation marks, which indicates that obviously he said more about it. But they picked that one word to be the quote that they put on the news. So yeah, yeah. What if I, Jake I, Sisko is the one in? Inter- oh my gosh! Oh. <gasps> That would be such a, like, under the radar. I bet there, I don't know how more spoilers haven't leaked for this yeah. show. And, I mean, Jake and Picard have uh, Wolf 359 in common. Yeah, they, they've, got uh, a, they've got a little bit of history there that could make things yeah. wonderfully awkward. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be, I cannot even imagine the tension between like Like in an interview situation Mm -hmm. with oh my gosh that's probably not gonna happen but uh, oh no (laughs) yeah now that we said it (laughs) yeah but if it did that'd be great moving on to dislikes uh mr barry you and i pretty much have the same kind of dislike here yeah uh if you allow me to go and just vent a little um I, I'm kind of sick of the VFX apartment. Like, don't get me wrong. They do a great job. Uh, I think the quality of the effects is not in question. It's the freaking assets that you're using. And I'm sorry, but Utopia Planitia is not going to be filled with new sh- ships that look like they're from 200 years ago or a hundred years ago, it's not going to happen. And 
Although, I mean, they did have Excelsior-class ships during the Dominion War. But, but they weren't being built at Utopia Planitia. Right. Galaxy-class starships were being built there. And I don't know, like... I don't know. I just saw the close-up of the ships in this fleet yard, and you've got, like, the three Bussard collectors on each nacelle. You got the TOS window shapes. You got the thick saucers with, like, the movie lines. That all screams, hey, this is a ship from the 2260s. And it really doesn't work for me. It, like, pulls me out of the moment. Like, if Picard didn't show up in that news reel, I would have said, oh, I guess it's taking place during Discovery's time. Mm. And like you noted, there's a Discovery-type shuttle in there, which didn't bother me as much because if it's a school bus. But <laughs> we know it's not. We know it's not because right. they're just reusing assets. Even the force field was that kind of like tickle tackle tickle tackle like more yeah. tactile force field that we've seen on discovery right although i do like that look i, I like the totally look i get what you're saying i like that force field uh effect more than what we saw in future episodes no. just no, because no, no, of the no. I, I just like the way it looks better <laughs> but I, I agree no, with you. I wanted, and when that force field popped up, I wanted that familiar TNG, like, pong, and like <laughs> the, right. the, the static, right. because yeah. to me, that actually screams more advanced, where the force field is still so powerful, you can only see it when you interact with it. Mm -hmm. To me, that's more powerful than just hey, look at my glowy wall of triangles. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally understand yeah. what you're saying. I, I get that. Um, I, I like the effect of the force field, but I get that. But it's the same one they're using on Discovery. Yeah, exactly. It, it looks like it's older technology. And, and I wonder if yeah. there'll be some sort of explanation that they'll try to throw in canon-wise for that. I hope not, because every time they try to do that, it's terrible but i i understand it i think sure i i get it too but i think the reason i'm so fired up about it is because one of the reasons i like star trek so much well now that i'm older it's more of you know the actual messages in star trek but star trek when i was younger influenced me in design in art in technology and I became so obsessed with like the starships and the lineage and how things work and technical blueprints. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, it's like, my God, just go to these, these guys can like go to memory alpha or memory beta or X Astra Senecia or whatever and say, Hey, this is what the 2370s look like. Uh, let's just go 20 more years ahead of that. Oh, Star Trek Online is takes place in the same show. Let's try to make it look like that. Like, I, I just want to see a nice, smooth <laughs> starship. And that's what pisses me off. Like, the comics, they show Picard's new ship is from the Star Trek Online. It's one of the major ship's classes, the Verity. And it's like, 
just bring some of that visual continuity. Like it breaks visual continuity for me when you're bringing things that are supposed to be from this time period of a hundred years ago into this like modern setting. I don't want that. It, to me that that breaks it and I get it for the new fans of discovery, but you know, everyone knows what a shuttle is. It's the thing that flies around. And it's got warp nacelles on it. Like you can, you don't have to copy the exact same model. And I don't know if it's like a budgetary thing and they're just reusing assets, but to me, that screams lazy. And I'm sorry if CBS is dumping all this money into Picard, get some new assets to fit the 24th century or 25th century. And you know they they must have some CGI models of shuttles from later. If they don't, just build them. There's there's a whole community. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a whole community of 3D artists out there. I'll and, build you one in Blender if you want it. CBS and and current people that are working like on the ships of the line catalogs. Those are right. produced right. every year with 3D models. Of all the modern Trek stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I, I'm so worked up about this. It just... It, the children. I, I think about and, it like this. Like, when I look at the Discovery shuttles, I think, oh, man. That's what the TNG shuttles should have looked like. <laughs> like, I, I, I think their the design TNG are so shuttles. much nicer than what the TNG shuttles look like. Um, so I'm, I, I look at that and I think, oh man, these are nice. Like maybe, maybe the future we sees the past. same thing that we see here. Like we move past the TNG shuttles, like w- give us the sleek Voyager type two shuttles. Give us a new version of that. Yeah, those were okay. It, even the shells from insurrection were good. Yes. Uh, I, I'd rather that, that, I'd that. rather see runabout style ships than any of the shuttles, to be honest with you. But I can understand. I like I can kind of give them a little bit of a pass on that because the way fashion works. Runabout would have made a great bus, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it would have. Well, it depends. Yeah. On where where are they going? Like they they didn't really like. Did she catch another shuttle, or did yeah. she have to walk to work, to the school like? Transporters don't exist right now, I guess. Um, I, maybe they're rationed. I don't know. You know, we know. Yeah, I thought there was like a global transporter network. <laughs> they're supposed to well, be. But in in, uh. in Deep Space Nine times, they were rationed. They only had a That's certain amount a of transporter. Of war, it's like or is it? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I can forgive that only because... Like I said, it, it was a minor visual aspect in a bigger story that I was watching. So I love the story. How did Kima get to school? He must have used a transporter. That that, that was. Or they that, have yeah, Uber. That's my question. Like, did Uber she wait? For, the, was there another shuttle Center. that came later? Like, they didn't say how much <laughs> later she showed up. So when I watched this episode, I tried to. I tried so hard to pick a pick it apart. And think of what don't I like, and I, I got nothing, guys. I loved this. I loved this short trek. Look, this was my highest rated episode out of all of these. 
my whole workup about the visual effects is it's just it's this ongoing issue I see with these Discovery era shows where the visual effects are just off and to me that's always going to be a nagging thing until they realize some of the things that they're doing or they get a better better visual consultant for this because I don't need a spaceship that's mostly empty space and is just a bunch of tubes or, you know, things to look like they were 75 years ago when we should be looking to the future. So to me, that's just, even though I rated this my highest short track um, out of the ones that we just reviewed, it's just an ongoing issue overall with this new production of era of star trek that's that's just my gripe because it was just there was such a visual line for 50 years and they're kind of going back on that so so sorry i gripe so much about that that's just no not at all like that is that is completely valid 100 percent um i understand i understand completely what you're saying um like i said i've i kind of write it off as they're trying to keep things continuous with discovery for those people who are, who have just seen discovery and nothing else and going forward. So Uh, I I kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say I give them a pass on it, but at the same time I understand. Oh, I, I understand like, you know, all the corporate reasons that they would do that too, but I don't like it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got it. I read you. I read you. Yeah, I I, I agree with uh, both of you, uh, Mr. Barry. I, I do think it's um, because they're either short on time and they just need to do something fast. So they just like, oh, let me just grab the shuttle, change some colors on the shuttle, maybe add a little bit more debris on the shuttle. And, okay, now we have a 24th century shuttle when it's obviously not. This um, shuttle's gold, not silver. It's obviously from the 25th century. Well, they, they tra- like, um, I think it was red. They had red coloring in, um, like, Yeah, it was kind of a rose, a rose gold kind of, instead and, and of the standard gray is, silver. Uh, blue. Yeah. Um, I believe. But uh, as for rating, uh, I give it a, a three pips, Commander. I gave it a four pips, a Captain. And I gave it a full Admiral, whichever. That, is that five pips or is it six? Because it's like three on each side. Oh, well, oh. Uh, do you want Fleet Admiral? Or do you want <laughs> Vice Admiral? <laughs> Rear Admiral? What do you want? Golly, Miss Molly. I want it one step above Captain for crying out. That, that's the one star Admiral. Yeah, so that's a... Uh, yeah, whatever that is. We'll call it that. <laughs> Basically, uh, I really freaking liked it. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> as far as... I, I wanted to put in a quick prediction for Picard. Um, I mentioned one of these to you guys in, in the chat. And the other one I thought of uh, kind of recently... Uh, so Da Dodge, I think maybe an android, but she doesn't know it. Like Data's mother in the Next Generation episode, Inheritance, or 
and this one I haven't brought to your guys' attention yet. Uh, she is a human that has had the procedure we see in the TNG episode Descent to create an artificial neural network out of the human brain. Ooh, that's interesting. We know that Lore was not particularly successful in that endeavor. However... But maybe the Romulans are... Quite a bit into the future, and, you know, we know that Hugh is involved, and Hugh was privy to those experiments. So maybe some of his... It's not impossible to think that those experiments somehow continued somewhere. I mean, we know from previous episodes, we know from the existence of Section 31, we know from episodes like Pegasus, that there are sections within Starfleet who are willing to break the rules. Not just bend them, but break them to do research that goes beyond what is regularly sanctioned. So it's not impossible to think that one of these separate elements that still had Starfleet approval would experiment in things like this. It's not unheard of to think of a a separate little group being put aside, be like, hey, um, listen, don't talk about it, but you guys work on this, okay? And you know, we'll come back to you if you come if you come up with anything. It that has happened. That is not science fiction, unfortunately. It's not a fiction at all. That is literally how governments work. You know, they 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 put these groups aside, these think tanks, to work on stuff that is not officially sanctioned. And if they come up with something that works, great. Then they use it, then they sanction it. If it doesn't, then they can write it off and be like, "Oh, they weren't they weren't part of us. Yeah, they were rogue or something." No, uh, this is real life. This this happens, and they've they've shown that in Star Trek, this happens also with with episodes like right. Pegasus. Mm-hmm. You know, they we know that this tor- sort of thing is possible, so it's not your theory is not that far out there, especially since, you know, they're putting out these episode lists for us to like catch up on before Picard and descent is listed in these episodes. So it's like, well, why is descent listed? Is it just because it involves the Borg and androids or is it because of this specific procedure that they're talking about? It's it definitely raises that question. Uh, so, yeah, I I mean, as far as predictions go, I think that might be a bit of a long shot, but right. not out of the realm of possibility at all. Uh, do either of you have any predictions that you'd like to share? Oh, I I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. <laughs> Honestly, I thought I knew, I thought for sure that this was going to have to do with the whole Romulan situation and their, their star going Nova and the, the, you know, because I've read the first of the three Picard comics and that does show the start of, you know, Picard is basically leading the effort to evacuate Romulan people from the worlds that are affected by this star 
So I thought really that was the main focus. But then they released the most recent trailer for Picard where it clearly shows that attack on Mars, which I wasn't 100% sure. I'm like, oh, that looks a little bit like Mars. But yeah, okay, a lot of planets could look like Mars until this short track came out. And it's like, oh, no, that was definitely Mars. That was 100% Mars. Like, he is remembering the attack on Mars right now. So it makes me wonder if the Romulan influence is going to be lesser than we have a, had originally thought. Like maybe it's going to be more Android and Borg driven than Romulan driven. But right. ah, man, there are so many avenues open to them right now. They have so many roads that they could go down and we don't know yet. And that's, what's fantastic about it. I love the fact that we don't know. We have this general idea. We have these choices. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure novel, except, you know, good. Hey, they were good. <laughs> but we don't know which one they're going to choose yet. It's. I am so excited for this show right now. I. My prediction is that I'm going to love this show. That's my prediction for Picard. I want to be there, but hopefully I'm not overhyping myself. Yeah, we don't want to do that because <laughs> I, I mean, don't think as... we are i think this is going to be a very pleasant surprise i overhyped for nemesis and i was sort of yeah that's whew. um because i was like oh you know was it john logan's writing brent spiner's here it's gonna be great and then we yeah, got what we got got what we got um so yeah um we're all very excited for star trek picard can't wait mr barry yes if we were to look for you on the internet how would we find you you can find me at trucky 47 on twitter and instagram and you can also check out uh the other podcasts i've got going on uh the four-eyed radio network called ranger command power hour that's uh, Ranger Command PH on Twitter and at rangercommand.com. Awesome. Mr. Dewey, how would we find you on the internet? On most social media platforms, I am at Eric J. Dewey. Real simple. That's uh, my Twitter, my Instagram, my TikTok, and my untapped. Oh, did, did you really? I literally have one video on TikTok. I was trying to figure out how it worked. <laughs> Um, but I do jump on there every now and there's, there's some funny stuff on there and there's some amazing guitar solos. Uh, I might, I might throw some videos up there. I don't know. I haven't decided yet, but I'm at Eric J. Dewey on there regardless. So, uh, find me, like me, follow me, whatever, do, do what you do, what you want to do. And of course, follow all of the shows on the Four Eyed Radio Network at fouriderradio.com and uh, on our Twitter, which is at uh, Four Eyed Radio, surprisingly enough. Awesome. And you can find me on most social media at Nova Charter. Uh, thank you all for listening to the podcast. Thanks for dealing with us. Uh, dealing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, until next time, live long and prosper, and uh, pour yourself some Earl Grey.
tea. Oh. Hot. <laughs> Super hot. <laughs> All right. Replicate it into my veins. Thank you for listening to the Starfleet Escape podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network. You can find us on the web at sfxscapepod.com, on Twitter and Instagram at sfxscapepod, and on Facebook.com slash sfxscapepod.